welcome back to Oceanside Theology. It's great to have you with us. I'm Tim. And I'm Daryl. And we're going to be wrapping up our Doctrine of God series, which has been going for a number of weeks. And the third, and this is the third part in our Trinity series, because the number three works well for that. And we today we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit uh, and the fact that the Spirit is God. We have covered what the Trinity is. We've established that we have one God, who one being, three persons, and we've looked at who the first two persons are, and that the Father and the Son or the Word. And today we're looking at uh, the Spirit. But before we uh, dig into God's Word and see who the Spirit is, let us bow our heads in prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have revealed to us yourself, that you make yourself known to us and that you enable us uh, to study your word and to understand who you are through it. And we thank you that through the power of the Spirit, you have brought us to yourself, that your Spirit equips us, your Spirit enables and strengthens us and sustains us in following you. And Lord, as we continue to study that today, we ask that we would be glorifying you in our speech and that we would be walking away better able to serve you, to glorify you. And we ask all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, once again, we're reading from the London Baptist Confession of Faith, chapter 2, paragraph 3. In this divine an infinite being, there are three subsistences, the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit. All are one in substance, power and eternity, each having the whole divine essence, yet this essence being undivided. The Father was not derived from any other being. He was neither brought into being by, nor did he, issue from any other being. The Son is eternally begotten from the Father. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. All three are infinite, without beginning, and are therefore only one God, who is not to be divided in nature and being, but distinguished by several peculiar relative properties, and also the pers their personal relations. The doctrine of the Trinity is the foundation of all our communion with God, and our comfortable dependence on him. And today, as Tim said, we will be talking about the Holy Spirit and understanding who the Holy Spirit is and coming to that realization that the Holy Spirit is indeed God. So, where do we begin? We need to look at our creation story. As we alluded to last week, you know, let's have a look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So we're looking at the start of creation. God was there. He had made the heavens and the earth. He was making the heavens and the earth. But what was hovering over the waters? The Spirit of God. Yes, and so, as I mentioned last week, we do see 
in this first chapter of the Bible a allusion to the Trinity. It's not as clear as we see at the end of Matthew as is baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which we probably should have mentioned every single week. But here we are. Um, but here we see this, the Spirit of God hovering, being present in creation. The language that's used in the statement of faith is that the Spirit proceeds from both the Father and the Son. The Spirit applies the will of the Father and Son in reality. Well, that's, and that's the language. It's not to say that the Spirit is underneath or beneath the Father and the Son just does what they say. Mm. Because that would be completely and utterly wrong. The Spirit is equal, and but his part in the Trinity is the sustaining power in creation. And it is the sustain he is the sustaining one of our own salvation and walk with God. It's the same kind of language that we see when the Spirit comes down at Pentecost in the form of tongues of fire, hmm. and it's an anointing of the people of God because he is the helper that would keep us going, that was promised by the Son, who we spoke about last week as Christ promised, because that was the only way we were going to carry out the mandate that he had given to us uh, in saying that we need to go out and make disciples of all nations. And so the Spirit has a very integral part in sustaining creation, sustaining us, sustaining our spiritual life. And in, uh, in a more conservative background like we come from, sometimes the Spirit gets kind of left a bit to the side. Mm. He's kind of almost ignored, which is a terrible thing because he is the one who is interceding for us. And when we don't know what to pray, he's the one praying correct prayers and translating it as the son intercedes before the father on our behalf. The spirit is in everything we do and everything we are. And it, and he brings us great joy. He's our comforter. He's our helper. And so, yeah, the the other language for spirit is breath, mm. or in the Hebrew, ruach, which is to breathe out, and that is the spirit. And in when we speak about God speaking out, His breathing out causes stuff to happen, and that is the spirit. So the spirit is not less than the Father or less than the Son, but He is the power. But he is the one who applies the word from the Father to creation. And, yeah. So. And, and just to hold back to previous uh, chapters that we've talked about as well, right? We've, we've, Tim mentioned just now that, you know, the, the Spirit does his work in us, right? That is the Spirit's work in us that ultimately brings us towards God. Um, but if we remember back in chapter one, where we had that view on scripture and what scripture is, we said something very important there. And that is, it is the work of the Holy Spirit that reveals God's word to us, 
So that is, you know, the spirit at work in our lives. The spirit is the one that reveals uh, God's wisdom to us uh, through the word of God. Um, and it was the spirit's work that wrote it down in the first place by inspiring and enabling the writers of the Bible to write it in the first place. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think what we do is we, we, we see the spirit everywhere uh, in the Old Testament, even though it's not being very explicit and it's been more firmly you know, fleshed out in the New Testament. Uh, but the spirit was there. And the first example was it, it was there in creation. Um, but there were so many other passages that talked about it. Like it. God has sent many prophets throughout the Old Testament to speak uh, to the Israelites, to bring them back to him. And the spirit was a, a very major part in that. But on top of that, is, is we looked at we look at Isaiah especially, right? So Isaiah tells about the Spirit being put onto the promised Messiah, and there's several. It does it in several verses. The first one is in Isaiah chapter forty-two, verse eleven. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights, I have put my Spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. So there we see, you know, in the perspective of God, that he has put his spirit on his chosen you know, Messiah. Uh, and that Messiah will bring forth justice to the nations. And if we flip backwards to Isaiah, to chapter 11, chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with, the, with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. So we see the spirit was promised to be put on God's chosen servant. And right there we see is that it comes from the little stump of Jesse, which is um, the line of David, who is the son, the stump of Jesse. And we see so many different characteristics of what the spirit is there, right? So we see the spirit of the Lord is going to, re is going to be resting upon his chosen servant. We see that it is the spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That gives us a lot of definition as to what that Holy Spirit is. Yeah, and we see this fulfilled at Jesus' baptism. And when it, the Spirit of God descended on him in the shape of a dove, mm. and, the, and a voice said from heaven, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. We see the, the Trinity there and we look at the Isaiah 42 passage and it says it's the father speaking about his chosen who is the son and the spirit that will work with the son in bringing forth justice. And that is what happens at the baptism. We see that anointing with the spirit of the incarnate son of God where the spirit was proceeded forth from the father enabling the son to then carry out his ministry. And it, it's a beautiful thing. Hmm. And then Christ promises us that spirit. 
So who is the Spirit? Who is he? And here we have it in Isaiah 11. The Spirit of the Lord. So he is Yahweh. It is the breath of Yahweh. It's the strength of Yahweh. The wisdom of Yahweh. And understanding of Yahweh. And that, because that is the language. It is God who is, it's all of who God is in the Spirit that sustains and enables. And what a beautiful thing. Hmm. It is incredible that we can say that we have the spirit of the living God in us. He is giving us wisdom and understanding. That's the only reason we can, any of us, can understand scripture rightly. He gives us counsel and strength that even when we our desires are contrary to God's, that he enables us to know what is right to do and gives us the strength to do it. Hmm. And he allows us to have a right view and relationship of God. He allows us to know him. And the language of fear here isn't like I'm scared and trembling in my boots, but rather it's a reverence, reverence. where you know when you approach this God that he is awesome. Not in the colloquial way of using that, but he will leave you on your knees because of how amazing, how powerful, how beautiful, how holy and just he is. And that is what the Spirit's doing in us. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about the Spirit in the Old Testament, but we, we didn't mention a lot about the Spirit being present in the New Testament. And so... Let's revisit a conversation we had you know, last week uh, back in John. Um, and we'll, we'll look here in John chapter 15, verse 26, specifically. But when the Helper comes, whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. So there we have Jesus in John 15 um telling that you know he'll he'll be gone soon but he's going to be sending uh, his disciples a helper the helper who comes from the father who proceeds from the father and he will, and it, that spirit will bear witness about it. it is the spirit of truth it is true uh and it is that spirit that comes at work in our hearts to you know effectively bring us back to god um, and bring us into good standing uh, and faith with him after Jesus' death on the cross. And if we look further in the book of John, you know, that same spirit Jesus breathed onto his disciples. In John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed onto them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. As Jesus said before he died, he promised his disciples a helper, and he gave them that helper by breathing in on them. He breathed the Holy Spirit on them, and they received it. Yeah, and, and that is just incredible. And we know that then in Acts, we once again... And so that wasn't the full application of the Spirit that we see in uh, Pentecost, where Jesus tells them to wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit had descended on them. Hmm. 
uh, that then after that, we in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, we see the church has grown by the thousands within days, weeks. What if, I can't remember the exact time frame, but they were continually adding to their number and they were having all things in common. People were selling their property and giving money to the church that they may serve the Lord and that no one would be without. Mm. And then we have Ananias and uh, Sapphira, if I'm not mistaken. They give money, but they keep some for themselves. And they tell, but they tell Peter and the apostles, no, this is everything. And Peter says this to Ananias when it's come to light in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 to 4. But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. That This is one of the most terrifying <laughs> events in Acts, in my opinion. Because here you have Peter saying, you didn't have to lie. Like he, you didn't have to give it all to us. You could say, "Here, yeah, here's what I'm contributing. Mm. No problem. It was your land. Lord gave it to you. If you didn't want to give us all the money, that's fine. But Satan, who Jesus says is the father of lies, has put it into his heart to lie, not just to people, but to the spirit. Mm. And Peter equates that as not lying to man, but to God. And that further emphasizes that the Spirit is God, as we have hammered on at for the last yeah. <laughs> three weeks. And that is the right way to look at it. Because He is fully God in all respects. And in how we relate to the, to the three persons, He is our helper, our sustainer, mm. And the one who is in us that sustains our salvation and our sanctification and our ultimately the mark for our justification and guarantee of all that we're going to inherit when Christ returns. But he is God. And you lie to the Spirit, you're lying to God. And that has dire consequences because that moment, Ananias is Ananias drops dead. Yep. His wife comes in later. She also lies. And she also drops, drops dead. dead. Yeah. And it says that there was great fear in the church because of that. One of the commandments, you shall not lie, let alone lie to God, because we can't, we can't hide anything. We looked at God is omniscient. He is everywhere, all time. He's everywhere and everywhere. And so there's nothing that we can do or say that he doesn't know the truth about. You can lie about it as much as you like. He's going to know. And it is a terrifying place to be. Mm. But for those who of us who are relying on him, he is a comforter and a helper. 
And so what does all this mean for us? The spirit is not just a fuel to gas us up when, we need, when we're feeling a bit low on our spiritual walk um, energy. He does provide sustenance in that regard. He keeps us going. He keeps us on the narrow way. But he is so much more. He is the power by which creation was made. He and is sustained, and the power by which Christ accomplished his work as well. The Spirit is the application of the power of God and the will of God in creation and in us. And he is our comforter. He, he is our sustainer, and we glorify him for it. That's why when we pray, we pray to the Father by the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when even when we do not know what to pray, the Spirit is praying for us. Even when we're asking the wrong things, the mm. Spirit is correcting it on the way <laughs> to, the, <laughs> to, the, to Christ, to the Father. And it is a, and He knows what we need. He comforts us so we can hold fast to Him. So we hope this has been helpful to you. If you've got questions, where can you go? Uh, well, I believe we have a Facebook group uh, and Facebook page that you can look us up and interact with us on. Uh, feel free to yeah, join and yeah, start some really great discussions. And if you have any questions, we're happy to answer them. Especially we also have an, an email, oceansidetheology at gmail.com. If you have any questions, feel free to send us through them and we'll, uh, yeah, we'll look at them and we'll give you a good uh, response back as best as we can. But in addition to that, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, do we have a WordPress page? That is almost up and running. I think there's still a few glitches to work out. Um, I did publish it, but it seems if you try and Google it, it doesn't pop up yet. So I'll let you know when that is fully live. But what we're endeavoring to do is to have all the episodes from the podcast there, but also to include written articles based on each of these. Uh, so I'll, we'll keep you posted. There'll be announcements on the Facebook page and the group uh, when that is fully functional. Wonderful. I entirely jumped the gun on that, guys. But yeah, we'll look forward to uh, letting you know when that's live and uh, I'm, I'm, I really hope it'll be helpful to you. Uh, but on that note, uh, let's finish up with Romans chapter 15, verse 5 to 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, and together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.